Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. So let's, let's jump into the message today. I'm, I'm uber pumped about what God wants to speak today. It's called Preparing a Dwelling Place. If you haven't heard about it, if you're new here at the Rhodes Church, we've been on this series for a, a while. A while. But let's get our Bibles out. Come on, here at the Rhodes Church, we get excited about our Bibles because we believe it is the bread of life and we're hungry right before lunch. So we love the Bible. So let's go Mount Carmel. Kate, I forgot to say hi to our Mount Carmel family, our Carlinville family watching online or watching their live on the screens, as well as our E-Rhodes family. North City, give it up for our church family watching. What's up, Mount Carmel? Carlinville? Good to see you guys. Glad to have you this morning. All right, let's get excited about our Bible. We like to make noise here, so let's open our Bible to Exodus chapter 29. Woo! All right, you're like, man, it's a bunch of loud people. Yes, we are. Exodus 29, it's called March Madness. Here we go, Exodus 29, verse 42 is where I'm going to start reading. Sorry, that's basketball, March Madness. My team lost yesterday, so I'm in a little bit of mourning. Verse 42, this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak with you. This is the Lord talking. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory, so I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the reading of your word. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to bring revelation truth to our hearts, that there will be both clarity of communication and clarity of reception. The Lord, it will all point to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one that's worthy of praise today. So I thank you for bringing this alive, that we'll be able to apply it and bring transformation into our hearts through your word. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. All right, in these passages of scriptures, I just read five verses. In these five verses, I found five phases of preparing a personal dwelling place with God. Five phases in five verses. They all start with E. Here they are. The first one is enter, means the door. Number two is engage, which is about the meeting. Number three is encounter, which is about the glory. Four is evacuate, which is about the consecrating. The fifth one is endure, which is about the dwelling. Now, I want to say this before we get started. These five phases are not one-time phases that we go through, but rather continual categorical phases. What I mean by that is that it's not just one time I enter through the door. Every time I pursue something new in God, I'm going to have to go through these phases. Now, all these five phases are not over a certain amount of time. I could go through all five of these phases in one encounter with God. I could also go through these five phases over a number of days or weeks or months. It doesn't matter. Don't put God in a box in anything. We just seek him and what he wants to do. So these phases, again, these are just things that God's spoken to me. And uh, if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, then maybe we'll get off this message eventually and you can be excited. But here's the, here's the reason I think it's important. I believe that we go through these different fra- phases in different areas And we may be through all five in one area of our life and just starting from scratch in another area. 
It doesn't mean we're any more or less saved. It just means we should, should always be experiencing more of God. All right, let's look at the first phase. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize one and two and then touch on three, maybe. We'll see. I know I talked about one and two last time, but I want to get to, there's some new things that God showed me when I was looking back over it, and I just, I got to mention what he's saying. So verse 42, phase one is enter. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the, thank you, door. Somebody's already with me, at the door. I like crowd participation, so feel free. Whenever I pause, I want you to say what you should be saying. <laughs> if you don't know what to say, just look at your neighbor and say watermelon. I mean, you'll just assume. Throughout your generations at the, thank you, all, you guys are good learners, fast learners, at the door. So who is the door? We talked about this last week. John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the door, period. One sentence, that's all he said, I am the door. Then he goes on to say, I love this part about the scripture, he says, if anyone, does that include you? Look at your neighbor and say, that even includes you. If anyone enters by me, who's me? That's Jesus. Anyone enters by me, he or she will be, will be saved. Here's the problem. Theologically, in our Bible Belt world, the word saved, in our context theologically, has come to mean one thing. In the Greek language of the Bible, the word saved does not mean one thing. We've made the word saved into an event. And I'm not banging on that. I understand getting saved as far as being born again, but let's not limit it to an event. Here's the problem, because people say, if anyone, if anyone wants to, enters by me, he will be saved. If we're not careful, people will say, I've already done that. But how many knows the word saved is the Greek word sozo, which means rescued, healed, delivered, set free? Is it possible that I might need rescued more than one time in my life? Is it possible that I might need delivered or set free more than one time in my life? Okay, well, it's telling us that, listen, being saved is not just a one-time event, but it's telling me where I go to get saved whenever I need it. I understand going to Jesus to get saved when I get born again, but do you understand that I also have to go through the door of Jesus for everything else I need in my life? All right, so I'm just laying the foundation. So we said Jesus is the door or the entryway into the kingdom of heaven. We talked about John chapter 3 where Jesus said, unless one is born again, he cannot see or even enter the kingdom of God. Unless we're born again, we can't even see it or enter the kingdom of God. Remember I said the kingdom of God is not talking about heaven. It's talking about a system or a way of doing things. I like to read it this way. Unless one is born again, they cannot see the kingdom way of doing things. That's one translation. You can make it something else if you don't like that. Unless one is born of the water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom way of doing things. Unless I get God's perspective, I can't even enter into his way of looking at a situation. I can't see his perspective. So we got to be willing to go through the door. So what does that look like practically? If Jesus is the door, Chad, then how do I go through the door practically in my everyday life? John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he was in the beginning with God. Who are we talking about? Jesus. Very good. So if Jesus was in the beginning, Jesus is the Word. Notice what it says. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Through who? Through Jesus. 
or through the through word. You can, you can read this into that. This if Jesus is the word, I can also read the scripture this way. In the beginning was the word, or in the beginning was Jesus. Would that be wrong to translate the Bible that way? Was Jesus in the beginning? Yes. And if you say, and Jesus was with God, would that be wrong? No. And Jesus was God, is that wrong? No. Okay, then we can also say it this way. He was in the beginning, or Jesus, or the word was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, or all things were made through the word. All things were made through the word. And without the word, nothing was made that was made. Here's the question that God posed to me. If God made everything in the physical realm by speaking his spiritual word, why would we think this should be any different for us? Nothing was made in God's world, the human world that he created, the physical realm. Nothing was made that was made without the word of God. So he made things in the physical realm by speaking things from the Spirit. So he's telling us to do the same. His word is the door. So we got to realize what to do. This is how God did it. Notice how do we make things in our world then? How do I make peace in my world? Not by making all of my circumstances peaceful. That's how we want to make peace. How do I make forgiveness? By making everyone else stop doing me wrong. How do I make forgiveness in my life? I make it by going through the door and speaking his word. I don't make it without God. This is God. Am I connecting with you? So I'm not looking for peace by everything becoming peaceful. I'm looking for peace because it comes out of my spirit. It's a fruit of the spirit. All right, so Jesus is the word. Jesus didn't make light by telling the darkness to go away and leave him alone. Did that, did that bomb go over? When he saw the darkness, he didn't say, darkness, go away. Leave me alone so that my light can come out and be unoppressed. He didn't say that. He looked the darkness straight in the eye and said, let there be light. So how do we make what we need? We agree with the word of God and we speak it out. Okay, so that's the door. This is the door. Look to your neighbor and say the word is the door. We got to go through the door. Phase two, phase two. Phase two is engage. Once we see it, look at verse 42. He says, uh, at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak with you. Where I will meet you to speak with you. Phase two is about engaging the meeting. Where does the meeting take place? I will meet you at the at the door. The door of the tabernacle meeting where I will meet with you. What did we say the door was? Jesus. What, who is Jesus? Jesus is the word. So where are we supposed to meet him? We're supposed to meet him at the word. At the door of the tabernacle of meeting where I will meet with you, the engagement process where I meet with God, I meet him at the door or I meet him at his word. I don't meet him with what I want him to do. I meet him with what he says. I don't try and manipulate God with my needs and beg and plead and say, here's where I am. Jesus, I really need it. I really need it. I really need it. So come, meet me here at my need. I have a need, so meet me here, Lord. Meet me at my need. That's not what he said. He said, I will meet you at the door. What's the door? 
is at his word. So God's saying, I will be here where my word is and I'm not moving. If you want to meet me, you come here. So there's the challenge of engaging God. If I'm going to engage the door, if I'm going to engage the word of God, i got to meet him where he is. I can't just say, well, I understand that's what it is on the page. I see it there. I see what you're saying. I have to come to him and meet him at his word. So when my, when my emotions and my feelings tell me this is my reality, but God says something different over there, I have to meet him where he is instead of expecting him to come where I am. If I want to experience change, I've got to engage what he says. I've got to meet him at the door. I've got to meet him at the door of his word. So at the phase two, the goal is to sp- of God is to speak to us. Like if we would say, hey, I want to meet you at the restaurant. How many knows that you can't meet someone at the restaurant if you stay home? If you say, hey, I'll meet you uptown. You stay there watching TV. Pretty soon, hey. Oh, that's right. Nobody calls. They would text you. Sorry, sorry, I forgot. They would text you. Where are you? I'm at the house. Well, I thought you were going to meet me. When you meet someone, you're on a place of common ground. Come on, catch what I'm saying. That you're both in the same place of belief. I'm meeting God with what he says, not with how I feel. All right, so now I, I was reading this. And he says, I want you to engage. I want you to meet me at my words. I told you Proverbs 4, my son, give attention to my words. Give attention to whose words? Give attention to whose words? Meet him at the door. Give your attention to God's words, not not, not your attention to everyone else's words. He says, incline your ear to whose sayings? His sayings. He says, my sayings. What is he saying? Meet me at the door. So I said this word engage. And I looked up this word engage. And in the Webster Dictionary, it says this, entangled. Interlock or mesh with. And when I saw that definition, my mind started to see pictures. It's like interlock, mesh with. I saw gears. So I came with props. Because this is how my mind works sometimes in pictures. And here's what he said He said, I need you to engage with my word. This gear represents the word of God for your life, for my life. This is the will of God for my life. It is the driving gear. This is the driving gear. Nothing moves it. It moves everything. This is the gear. If you know about gears, this is the gear that is motorized and it is the one moving. This gear over here represents my life, my will. So God has thoughts of peace, a future, and a hope for me. His, all of his words spoken over me, it is going 24-7. So this is the door. This is his words. But as long as I stay here, how many knows that though he has all these wills and plans for my life, it is not impacting my life until I get close enough and I engage, get intermingled with, Connected with, now as his words, as his will changes, all of a sudden my life moves in the same direction that his word and his will is moving. But as long as I don't engage, 
His will keeps turning, inviting me, but it's not impacting me because I haven't engaged with what he says. I haven't engaged with his word. How do we engage? We engage by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of, him, of those who diligently seek him. So here's what, it's, what it shows to me, is that when I engage with his word, all of a sudden his word impacts my life. But here's what can happen. Here's what happens in Chad's life. Maybe it doesn't happen in yours, but I can be engaged with him, going, doing whatever I'm doing, I'm whatever he says, but then all of a sudden, because, even though I'm engaged with him, there's a result that happens in my life that doesn't go the way I want it to. And what can happen is that through disappointment or whatever, I can pull away and disengage. And then, even though his plan still keeps moving, I'm not close enough to engage, so my gears start slipping. I... I, he, he's still wanting, he's still moving, he's still desiring, but I'm, I'm disengaged enough that it's not moving me because it's slipping off. I've got to re-engage and not get out just because something didn't go the way I wanted it to go when I wanted it to go. I've got to trust the driving gear and be the yielded gear. I got to surrender my will to his and say, Lord, I don't understand, but I'm going to stay connected and engaged with you because I believe you're going to take me somewhere I cannot go on my own. We've got to engage. So phase two is about engaging the word of God, the door, and seeing what God wants to do. Now let's look at phase three. Verse 43. He says, I'll meet you at the door in verse 42. And there I will meet with the children of Israel. And the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my, oh, the glory. Here we go. Here's the encounter stage. So we've got the enter, enter in the door. We've got the engage by faith. Engage with what his word says. Engage with his words above what I feel, what I think, all my, all my other issues. I've got to engage. Okay. And then what happens? Once I stay engaged with him, now I can encounter the glory. Sanctified, there means set apart. Glory is just the majestic, manifest presence and power of God. He says, uh, the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. What does the tabernacle represent? Two applications for the tabernacle. One, the church gathering, right? Two is your individual life, my individual life. You are a tabernacle for the presence of God. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, do you not know that, who you, are, that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Look at your neighbor and say, you're a tabernacle. You're a tabernacle. You're, the, you're, the, you're a house for the presence of God. Phase 3 is where God begins to fill us with his presence and his glory based on the truth that we have engaged. I am not going to experience the presence of God. The, I'm not going to encounter the power of God with the truth that I do not engage with. Help us all right here. God has a truth for me in my life. If I don't engage with that truth, for whatever reason, it could be it makes my brain go tilt. Anybody ever had that? Anybody ever had God tell you to do something that you just couldn't? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I can't go there. I'm not ready for that. So we don't engage. So I can't encounter his power at that level that I won't engage with in faith. I may be experiencing his power in other areas of my life. Remember, this is categorical. 
but he may want to take me into a new area. And I'm like, I just, I'm not sure I can engage with that Lord. That doesn't make sense. So until I engage with him in that area, I won't be able to encounter his glory, his presence and power. Now, now let's look at an example of that. Let's look at a biblical example. Second Kings, go to Second Kings chapter 5. I want to illustrate this, talking about the door is the word of the Lord. All right. Summary, homework, just check, make sure my students are with me. Number one, who's the door? Jesus or the, or the word. Thank you. All right. So what do we have to do with the word? We have to engage. So phase one is we enter. Phase two is we engage. How do we engage? By, I heard a couple of sprinkles. My, my students were not ready for that one. That's all right. That's all right. Maybe, we, maybe I didn't teach that part very well. So Jesus is the word. Jesus is the door. We have to engage his word, and we engage his word by i got a few more students that came along. We have to engage it by faith. We have to believe it. Let me show you something. Let's, let's illustrate it, all right? I love how the Bible coincides with these things. 2 Kings chapter 5, this is about a dude named Naaman. Naaman was the king of Syria, and he had leprosy. Leprosy was incurable at this time. And uh, he had some friends in his leadership that knew and had heard about the prophet Elisha. And they told the king of Syria, said, King, you need to go to Israel and look for the prophet Elisha. And he can, he can heal you. And Naaman's like, okay. So verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. He stood at the what? <laughs> the door. You see how that came together. He stood at the door. He stood at the door. What's the door? Jesus. Jesus or the? That's right. So he stood at the door. He stood at the door. That represents Jesus. It represents the word of God. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying. Now you got to remember this about the Old Testament. When the prophet spoke, that was the same as the word of the Lord. That was like God speaking. Or in New Testament, it was like them it was like reading a Bible verse. When you went to the prophet and the prophet said such and such, it was like reading a Bible verse directly inspired by God. That's what it was for the prophet. So Elisha, the prophet, is the door or the word. Elisha himself didn't even come. He sent a messenger to the king. Imagine, the king of Syria comes to the prophet's house, to the door, and the, Elisha just tells his messenger, go to the door and tell him this. And he tells the king, the messenger does rather, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Now what is verse 10? Verse 10 is the door. This is phase one. It's the interface. Why? Because it's hearing the word of the Lord. It's hearing the scripture, hearing the Bible verse. Put yourself in the story. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make this connect for us. You are Naaman. I am Naaman. Elisha or Elisha's messenger is the Bible. Elisha, Elisha's messenger, gives the word of the Lord to Naaman. So phase one, Naaman hears the word of the Lord. What is the word of the Lord? Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Doesn't that sound exciting? 
if you had leprosy, he's, it's incurable. And he says, hey, go wash in the Jordan seven times and you shall be restored and clean. Verse 11. So did he engage the word? No. Verse 11. But Naaman became faithful? No. Why did he become furious? He went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, whoa, check this out. The word of the Lord was go dip in the Jordan seven times. But look what we do. I'm putting ourselves in this category. Look what we do. When we don't like the way God says to do it, we give our own expectations. And Naaman said to himself, here's what he indeed said to himself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. What happened? Naaman said, this is how I want it to happen. This is how I want to encounter God. On my terms, on my preference and my comfort level. Say he had leprosy on his arm. Naaman said, I want the man of God to come out and wave his hand over the spot and say, leprosy be gone. And boom, it's gone. I would be comfortable with that. Here's what happens. God tells us to do something. We don't like what he tells us to do. We don't engage. And we wonder why we don't encounter We're engaged. I'm seeking the word of the Lord. I'm praying. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to rectify this situation? I want you to go to them and apologize. Whoop! Whoa! Easy. Easy. God's still turning. What happened? We unplug when it doesn't meet our preference. I want to get healed. But I'm not going to go get dip in that water. I mean, my hair and my makeup and I don't think I should have to get in the water to be healed. I think it should happen anywhere. Can it happen anywhere? Absolutely. Does it have to happen in the water? No. Did it have to happen in the Jordan? I don't know. But I'm just saying that's what God said to do. We get so tied up with our preference instead of just saying, God, whenever and however, I just choose you. But wait a minute. If it's out of my comfort zone, dip in the joy. Look what he says in verse 12. Are not the Abana and the Farpar? <laughs> I love these words. I was going to try a different pronunciation, but just stay focused. Move on. The rivers of Damascus, aren't these rivers of Damascus? His homeland, Syria's Damascus. Aren't the rivers of my homeland, which represents what I'm comfortable with, which represents what I'm familiar with, my rivers, my comfort level, my security, let me do it. In the manner that I'm comfortable with, I'm familiar with. 
Let me, let me go back to my comfort zone so that I can encounter God in a way that doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. I'm just talking about the story. I'm not talking about us. He says, aren't these rivers better than all the waters of Israel? We got, we got rivers a lot better than the Jordan. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Did he engage the word of the Lord? Why did he not engage the word of the Lord? Because of preference, because of logic, and because of reason. This is why we don't engage the word of the Lord. Because if it doesn't make sense to us, if it's outside of our comfort zone, we will pull back and save face. Because I'm worried about what everybody else thinks. Am I worried about getting clean? Or am I worried about what other people think? Am I worried about restoring my situation, getting healing? Am I worried about fixing this? Or am I just worrying about it making me comfortable? It's a challenge. It's a challenge. So he, he disengages. He pulls out. He said, I'm not going to do it. If that's the way God wants to touch me, I don't want it. Can you imagine? I know this is hard for us to understand, but someone actually rejecting God's way of doing it, instead of getting what they needed, they actually said, the method doesn't suit me, so I will sacrifice getting what I need for the sake of a method that doesn't meet my approval. I know that doesn't happen nowadays, but man, back then this guy was jacked up. Pray for him. So uh, verse 14, or verse 13, sorry, his servants came and they threw him a lifeline. They said, dude, or my father, whichever translation you're reading out of, my father, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? Do you realize sometimes we overcomplicate what God wants us to do? Because here's what we do. We run it through our reasoning. Hmm. God tells you to do something. This is what I want you to do. Well, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure if that makes sense. Because if I do that, then what's going to happen next? So if I do, so what if I do that, God? Then, then what's going to happen? How is she going to change just because I start doing that? How is... I need, I need to, I, Lord, I need some help in my finances. Great. Here's what I want you to, And here's what I want you to do, God. I want you to increase my income. I don't want to hear anything about changing my spending, and I sure enough don't want to hear anything about tithing and giving. My answer is more income in Jesus' name. We stay over here. Why is that? Because God says, if you'll begin to sow, you'll begin to reap. If you'll honor me with the first fruits of all your increase, maybe it's not finance. Maybe that doesn't make, maybe you're uncomfortable with that. Maybe it's something else. How, how do I know if I do something right, something's going to happen? Because here's what happens. Oh, man. You ever seen a bunch of gears together? When I engage with the driving gear, it starts moving me. Here's the exciting part. Now, 
every gear that's connected to me starts. <laughs> Come preach with me, brother. Come on. Every gear that's connected to me starts moving. What if the other gears in your life are waiting for you to move? What if they're waiting for you to take a step and your step of faith makes all of a sudden the other gears in your life start to move with you? But it may be engaging in something that goes beyond our comfort zone. So he did. He, his servants say, you'll, you'll, why not give it a shot? What do you got to lose? Look at verse 14. So remember, verse 10 was the door. Enter, phase one. Verse 14, he actually engaged. So he went down and dipped how many times? What was the word of the Lord? Dip seven times. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to, come on, underline this part, according to the saying of the man of God. Not according to the saying of other people, not according to the saying of my logic and my reason. I did it according to the saying of the Word of God. I didn't do it according to my understanding of how it will play out. I just did it because God said to do it. That's engaging. Man, it's hard. Man, it's hard. So he did it according to the saying of the man of God. And look what happened. His flesh was restored just like it was before. No, keep reading. Look what it says. Restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Verse 10 is enter, phase one. Verse 14, he engaged, and when he engaged, he encountered. But here's the challenge. I'll close with this. Here's the challenge. Maybe I should use my gears again. I like this so much. The word of the Lord comes to me, comes to you in your life, in an area. I have to, by faith, believe what he says over my preferences, over my logic, over my reason, over, over obstacles, over everything that speaks against it. I have to, at some point, get close enough to engage. So once I begin to engage with him, now the other gears in my life can start moving in accordance with that. But if I pull away from the driving gear, now I stand still, and now every other gear that's connected to me also stands still. So I have to stay engaged, even in disappointment, even when I don't understand, even when it doesn't go the way I want it to, I have to stay engaged. But if I will stay engaged with him, then now I can encounter his power and his glory. But I have to do it. His way and his time. How many times did he say dip? Seven, seven. This doesn't make any sense. Seven times. Why seven? Wouldn't we ask that? Chad, I want you to go and dip in the water seven times. That's the word of the Lord. Why not six? Why that water? We spend more time arguing over the word of the Lord than we do engaging with the word of the Lord. We want to dissect it, run it through our... I'm trying to use nice words. I can't find any. Humanity. I'm not talking about cussing. I'm just saying I'm not trying to be insulting to us. We run it through our human brain like we know. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about us. 
that God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to dip seven times. And David's, why that water? Why not our rivers? Why not my comfort zone? And why not just once? Why not twice seven? Because you know, once he even engaged, once he engaged, once he engaged and went and dipped, you know, here's the problem. Just because I engaged doesn't mean the enemy's not going to keep talking to me to try and get me to disengage. Just because I engage one time doesn't mean he shuts his pie hole. Is that too strong? Because here's what happens. Here's Naaman gets there to the water, and he dips the one time. Still there. Dips the second time. Still there. Do you know who's talking in his head the whole time? The same person talking to you and talking to me. Then when he goes down a third time, he looks at his servants and goes, fourth time, rolling his eyes, as I thought, still there. Fifth time, this is ridiculous. Sixth time, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. This is a waste of time. It's just water. It's just water. There's no power in the water. It's just water. Servants. Yeah, but dude, Father, just go one more time. Remember the prophet said seven, don't give up, don't quit. Don't quit at six. I'm speaking prophetically to somebody. Don't stop at six. Don't stop at six. Well, I've been trusting God. I've been engaged. I've been believing God. But it's hard. I get it. He's saying don't stop at six. Fulfill the word of the Lord. So he says, all right, just to prove you wrong, I'll do it one more time. Goes down, comes up. What, what, what was the difference in six and seven? You could sum up what's the difference in six and seven in one word. Obviously, many words. That's good. I love it. I love it. That's good. That's why you guys are smarter than me. Because I can only think of one. Here's the word. The difference in six and seven for me, everything. Everything. Because six brought me nothing. Seven brought me everything. I don't know what you're needing this morning. I don't know what your life is like, but we got to go through the door of the Word of God, and we've got to engage it. So here's what God's saying to us today. We've got to close with this. It's time to re-engage. And here's, God was saying, Chad, you're going to be talking to some people today that because of disappointment, because of preferences, because of uncomfortability, they have disengaged. It's not that they're going to hell. It's not that they're unsaved necessarily. They've just disengaged from pers persevering, persevering and going for the supernatural. And God is saying, listen, I want you to re-engage with what I've told you. There's a promise that I've told you, and I'm watching over my word to perform it, but you've got to get close enough. Because if you don't get close enough, then those gears will slip, and it's not going to make a difference. But when you dig in there and say, God, I'm not moving. I want to encounter God. 
I want to encounter, and here's one of the things he's speaking to our church, speaking to me. You've got to take away your preferences and stop telling me how you want me to do it. And just seek after me, however I want to do it. I'm going to say that again. We've got to stop telling God how we want him to do it. And we've just got to seek his face for however he wants to do it. Whatever. It's not always going to look the same. Sometimes it's going to be different. Last week, give it a testimony. Candace, would you? I saw you, Candace, earlier. Where you at? Candace, would you come on up? Could you get her a microphone? So last week, at the end of services, you know, I usually give words of knowledge. Words of knowledge are gifts of the Holy Spirit in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where God would show you something or tell you something. And here's how words of knowledge work for me. They're different from other people. Uh, some people feel things. I don't feel things. I just get thoughts, like words will pop into my head or thoughts. So last week at the end, you come on up here, Candice. Watch my gears. They're powerful, powerful. And... I, I just listening, and I felt something like, I, I said it with this kind of confidence. I said, I just feel like there's somebody maybe that's dealing with some type of digestion issues, digestion issue, something like that. And I said, it, it, it might be maybe a food allergy, maybe, maybe, maybe gluten, maybe gluten. That's all I said. So. Candace wasn't even in the room when I gave that. But one of our ministry team members was here. She heard that, the word of the Lord. She took it as the word of the Lord. She engaged. She goes and finds Candace and says, I want to pray with you. Pastor Chad gave a word of knowledge about gluten allergy. And I want to pray with you. So, Candace, I want you to pick it up for where, from where she came and found you, and then maybe a little bit about what, what you were dealing with. So she finds me and says, hey, they just gave a word of knowledge about this. And I said, bring it. Yes, pray over me. So she prays over me, and I don't feel a magical touch. I don't feel heat. I just say, Lord, you want to heal. I receive it. I know that you're a healer and I believe that you healed me. So I say, thank you. That was awesome. Love you. She moves on. I go out to eat afterwards at Mimo's and my husband says, what are you going to order? And I say, uh, well, uh, I guess steak and broccoli, you know, not gluten. I'm just in that habit, that routine of doing that. And then I look at that pasta on the buffet and I say, no, 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 no. She just, the Lord just gave that word and he gave it for me and I believe it. I said, I just had this moment for a second of, wait, all these people at this table know my sister, my children, my, my friends, my husband, they know that I deal with this craziness. And if I try this and it bombs, I'm going to look ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And I'm, I might make the Lord look ridiculous. I'm thinking, that's the enemy. Exactly, well, here, exactly. Don't, think about this for a second. Here's what happens. You hear the word of the Lord. She said, I'm healed. So she says, I'm going to eat pasta. Here's what the voice comes. Like, hold on, hold on. Don't do it. Why? Because here's, here's, 
Oh, Jesus. Deliver us from religion. Here's what religion says. Now listen, we got to use wisdom. Wisdom. Like God isn't wisdom. Like the word of the Lord didn't have wisdom in it. Like we got we to gotta think it through for God because he didn't realize the ramifications of if I possibly tested his word and ate pasta. So I've got to think it through for him with my wisdom because his is obviously not as high as mine. Right? I mean, I'm being joking, but it's, isn't it true? You've got to use wisdom. So that's what she dealt with. That's no shade on friends. or We all deal with that voice. So go ahead and pick it up. So my children, one of them literally said, don't do it. Don't do it. And I, I just kind of laughed inside. And I'm like, no, I saw a mute woman healed in front of my eyes in India when we prayed for her. And st- I can have stinking pasta. That's crazy. So I got up and I went and I got pasta. And both of the tables of the, all the people that knew me were like, whoa, what is she? And my, my oldest son is like, what is on your plate? And I take a bite and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh, yeah, this is amazing. I haven't had this in a year, eight months. And so normally what would happen, see, when I, I was diagnosed with celiac for two years, I've had like, terrible, like, fall over in a fetal position, maybe for two days, pain. They want to give me these crazy pain pills and say, just go to bed and take these pain pills, and you won't be able to drive or move or, like, live a life, but here you go. No, that's not for me. I don't want that mess. So when I ate that pasta, I felt amazing, and everybody's going, how do you feel? How do you feel? I'm like, I feel feel the joy of the Lord. I feel... Excited. I'm happy. It's amazing. It tastes great. Taste and see that the Lord is good, right? <laughs> so at the end of that, I go and I, I go home and I'm just so excited. I'm thinking, what else can I have? It's been forever. So then I think, I, you know, my favorite donut, I'm really going to push this. I'm going to go buy a donut. That's my favorite kind of donut. I haven't had it in a year, and I'm going to go try it. So I <laughs> go and get that, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, Lord, you're amazing. So so I, I was completely healed, and I have ate gluten all week, and I have had not one ounce of pain. Not one. Not one. Wow, wow, yeah. Wow. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But the enemy was still there. He's still there in my head saying, oh, be careful, be careful. Right. Because now, you know, you've, you've told all these people, you've told pastor, yeah, yeah. you've told everybody. Now it's perfect. I'm going to just knock you out. I'm going to put you in the hospital with this. I'm going to do all this. And I'm like, shut your mouth. I serve the healing Jesus. So it's for you too. Come on, come on. Thank you, Candace. Thank you, Jesus. Shut your pie hole. That's what she meant to say. Your gluten pie hole. I want you to see. I want you to see something with this. All right, this is how it gives all glory to Jesus. How God did that was a process. I just leaned into some thoughts. 
I engaged that thought enough to say it. I was not confident about it. I was not trying to be a prophet. I just thought, maybe something digestive, gluten, let's go with it. But I engaged. Cody Bond took that word and said, I'm on that. That's a word of the Lord for my friend Candace. So my gear started turning. Cody was connected to my gear on the ministry team. Then she's connected to Candace, who did not hear the word from me. But she's connected to Cody. So because she's connected to Cody, then Cody goes to her. And then then when Candace hears the word, now Candace has an opportunity. Am I going to say, well, that's crazy. I've had this for almost two years. Or when I go to the restaurant, I've got to use some wisdom now. You know, I'm praying for that to be healed, but I'm not really expecting it to be healed. Oh, I'm stepping on some religion right there, didn't I? Sorry. Sorry. Let me get off of religion for a second. Because we pray for things, but we just don't expect things. Kind of like them praying for Peter to get out of jail, but then they were shocked when he actually knocked at the door. Anyway, so Candace had to engage and test it out and dip in the Jordan. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.